Welcome to Connecting with the Toms podcast. I'm your co-host, Julie Tom, a trauma-informed movement specialist. I'm Dr. Dick Tom, a biological medicine physician. Uh, we wish to share the untold truth about health and fitness industry based on our combined 70 plus years of experience. We want you to connect and feel empowered in your own mind and body by interacting with each other. This show is about connection for you, for us, and for the world. This is Connecting with the Toms podcast. Let's start connecting. Hello, and welcome to Connecting with the Toms. And today we're going to be talking about hydrotherapy. So we're going to be talking about and diving into the therapeutic uses of water and help you understand that um, there are many different ways that you can use water to help you heal. So dad, do you want to uh, get us started with um, how water can be used in different forms to help us heal? You know, one of the interesting uh, things about water, uh, which everybody uh, uses every day in so many different ways, uh, is that it's like oxygen, it's absolutely essential to sustain life. And uh, in the and what's unique about water is, is that therapeutically, we can use it in different forms. Uh, obviously, we've already talked about drinking it uh, because our body is uh, between 50 and 60% water in general, it's the most, the largest uh, component of our body itself. So that's the obvious one that we need to be consuming on a daily basis, but uh, that's the liquid form, but water is used in liquid form, not only for drinking, uh, but as we'll talk about in some other forms, but you can freeze water, um, which is, has a unique uh, chemistry about it. And it comes ice and ice is therefore used therapeutically. Uh, most people are aware of using ice on an acute injury. Uh, but don't forget that there's also a gaseous form called steam uh, that you can breathe in and uh, moisturize, uh, that type of thing. So we're going to talk about the different forms or the different applications, rather, of ice uh, as in water, uh, the liquid aspect of water, and then steam uh, inhalation. Uh, and so they all have uh, different uses. Uh, they're used at different times. They're used for different lengths of time. Uh, as to what the specific therapeutic aspects are, but it's something that we all have available to us. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll cover a whole bunch of different uh, ways that you can use water on an everyday basis uh, to support uh, your own health journey. Okay, so let's dive right into it then. So um, ice, why would I use ice to help me? What type of um, ailments and or what type of I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say disease, but uh, what type of uh, issue would I have to consider using ice as a modality to help me? The most common uh, application of ice uh, from a therapeutic perspective is for inflammation. So if you've stepped off a curve, if you've sprained your ankle, if you've fallen, uh, you know, injured a muscle, <clears throat> injured whatever. And so what ice does, uh, obviously it's cold, it decreases uh, blood flow to the area to try and decrease pain. However, uh, we have to be very mindful and careful that uh, the overuse of ice is actually contraindicated because we know if you fall into a frozen river uh, and become hypothermic, uh, you actually, that can lower the body temperature. So we're talking local ice to uh, an elbow, to a wrist, to, uh, to an ankle, uh, that type of thing. So my general rule of thumb with an acute injury is uh, ice is only used 
uh, maximum up to 24 hours, no longer than that. And so it's sort of the most acute uh, utilization of that to uh, from a, the initial aspect to sort of to decrease pain. But after, but after 24 hours, you don't want it to be decreasing blood flow to the area. We we'll actually want to be increasing blood flow to the area. Right. So after 24 hours, we actually will uh, start the utilization of heat, uh, whether it's a hot pack, uh, whether it's a, a warm liquid uh, or even steam, some other, some other way of getting uh, uh, more blood flow into the area. So the initial aspect is, and you don't use, you don't put ice on longer than 15 or 20 minutes on any one site. And then uh, if you're using it in day one or shortly after the injury, uh, but after that, uh, after said, after 24 hours, or even, uh, you know, after a few hours, uh, don't keep putting more, more ice on. We don't want to do, we want to decrease, initially decrease the blood flow just to decrease some of the, the pain, but uh, after 24 hours, uh, we're into using heat. Right. So I actually read somewhere, like in Chinese medicine, they only use ice for dead things. So same way, the idea is you don't want to use it. So actually, when I was in uh, doing my undergrad in kinesiology, I learned the acronym RICE. So because I was doing a lot of you know, injury and athletics and whatnot, and RICE stands for rest, ice, compression, and elevation. However, through years of experience, and I, I believe, I mean, somebody can correct us, but I believe still in nursing school, because a client, an old client of mine told me, she's like, they, we still, they still teach us this in nursing school. The, the new acronym that should be used is actually METH. So it's movement, elevation, traction, and heat. So after 24 hours, so your first 24 hours, focus on rice. After 24 hours, it's focus on movement, elevation, traction, and heat. So what would I do? So let's say I sprain my ankle. So the protocol essentially would be what? Ice my ankle for about 15, 20 minutes on and off through that first 24 hours, right? Yes. yes. The next day, <clears throat> what would I be doing? So I would do some movements. So I'd do some like some ankle circles. I would elevate my ankle above my heart. Traction, meaning you can do some uh, some stability exercises. So some very simple like step on the gas, step off the gas, and you can use a band or whatever, or you can just simply like stabilize it in some way, shape or form. And then we add heat. So how long would we add heat for this protocol would you suggest? Uh, like, um... <clears throat> heat is applied. I always like to just use the rule 15 or 20 minutes, okay. uh, you know, in general, uh, people will have a tendency to use heat longer because it feels good. Uh, it sure. makes it, I mean, it warms it up and it's like, Oh, it's sort of just generally feels good. However, like too much cold, too much heat is equally problematic because you easily can burn the skin. <laughs> Uh, you know, by applying a hot compress, uh, a too hot a compress uh, that the, the, you know, the, this, the tissue can't tolerate it. So uh, 15, 20 minutes uh, is, a, is a good application uh, for day one for cold. And now after that uh, will be for heat. And so put it on for, for 15 or 20 minutes, take it off, let the tissue come back to a normal temperature, and then you can use it again. Uh, so you can use it several times a day. Uh, awesome. as, as for needed. 
Perfect. That's exactly what I do. So it's, I mean, that thing, like 15, 20 minutes, we don't want to abuse it at the end of the day, right? It does feel better, but when your tissues go back to normal, so let's say, you know, you're going to sleep or whatever, you're doing it before bed, those tissues can, when you wake up in the morning, they're going to feel a little bit stiffer because, you know, you weren't moving much in, in over the overnight. So some people do sleep with heating pads, but that's not initially recommended. So um, there are some protocols, though, that like I'll dive right into it, the Wim Hof technique. So we dive into, you've heard of ice baths. So there's a lot of people doing ice baths and cold showers and uh, alternating it with um, hot uh, saunas. So they're doing steam saunas. So alternating the two and there's different protocols and whatnot. So we're using rice and meth for acute injury and inflammation. Um, why would I use hydrotherapy per se? Why would I do like a cold shower and then get into, let's say, an, um, a steam sauna? What would that be used for? Well, before we talk about that, I think it's uh, we need to caution our listeners that it, this isn't something that if you haven't done it before, you just suddenly say, oh, I think I'll do a cold bath and a, and a steam yeah. uh, per se. Uh, this is something that you build up to. And, you know, what I tell my patients and have for years is, you know, you start the best way to start this is in the shower. Uh, you know, we take a shower or a bath, we'll say pretty much every day. And the, the goal is, when you get started, if you haven't been doing this at all, is to initially just start at the end. Of, so after you've taken a shower, uh, at the end of the shower, you just basically turn down the, the warm water. And so, and ideally you would, we'll say even 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And, you know, and what we're looking for is that you notice the difference of the temperature doesn't have to be cold. It just has to be, you notice that the temperature is not as warm as it was when you took the shower. So over a period of time, you will start increasing, you know, the amount of time of doing that from 15 or 20 seconds, uh, you know, but only maybe by five seconds and you're, you're decreasing the water temperature a little more. And so over a period of days, weeks, in some cases, even months, uh, you'll be able to actually end uh, your, your shower with, you know, from cool to cooler to cold water, uh, whether it's 15 or 30 seconds or whether it's a, a, a one or two minutes. The goal of that, uh, ideally, and what we're trying to therapeutically do, since you have taken a warm shower and your all your blood vessels have been dilated uh, because of the warmth, uh, what we're then ending with is that is the cool. And what that does is it causes a vasoconstriction of the vessels. And so then you get out and you dry off. And now what the body does is it realizes that you've, you're doing an internal massage uh, to your vessels. And so ultimately what you'll do is you'll improve your lymphatics and you'll also improve your, uh, your cardiovascular system. So this is a sort of a, a thing that we can be doing on an everyday basis. And once you're used to doing that, uh, then you could sort of go to a spa and uh, get in a hot tub, let's say, or get in a sauna. Uh, and then uh, in, you know, in a cold uh, bath for a cold ice dip, we'll say for whether it's 15 or 30 seconds, then you go back in the, the warm again. But I always recommend three alterations. Uh, but, you know, and whether we're doing it over your sinus or over your chest or over your whole body, we always do the, uh, I use the three to one rule, uh, 30 seconds of, of cool 
uh, three minutes of hot. Um, and we always do the hot first and then cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. You always end in cold, no matter which of these uh, procedures that ultimately you're doing. Uh, you know, sometimes you can do it longer, but some a physiologic effect, uh, basically doing something like that for 10 minutes and 30 seconds creates a tremendous uh, healing benefit, which is what ultimately we're looking for. Okay. So, so taking a step back, um, some baby steps that we can take entering this. So the idea is just to be clear, we don't want to just be jumping into ice baths and like everybody do cold showers and you're like, Oh my God, that's so stressful. I can't do it. Um, some stepping stones and baby steps that I've personally done that I can speak from experience, um, is I started with hands and feet. So I had, a uh, um, a cold bucket of water and I had a warm bucket of water. So like uh, my dad said, I start with warm and go into the cold, go into the warm, go in the cold and finish with cold. So that's how I started. So um, did that for a while. I moved to hands and actually something that I did. So people are like, I don't have buckets to put in my hands and feet in not big enough. Okay. So what I used is if you have a tub, I use the, the bathroom um, sink and the bathtub. So I filled up the tub with some cold water and then I put some warm water in the kitchen in the bathroom sink and so I would literally stand in the water and then I would go put my hands in it so then I'd alternate again three times and that would be my hydrotherapy that was something that I tried for a while worked really well the next step was I moved to my face and so when I started really diving into neuroscience and whatnot I wanted to do face dunks and um, so I actually would do I started with just uh, um, let's like a cooler bowl of water and I inhale and put my face in and just wait and just hold my breath to work on some breath resiliency and, and whatnot. And so, and then I'd come back up and then I would actually uh, inhale, exhale, and then put my face in the water. So as I got better and then you just like dry it off and then again, you can use that. So it was cold and all I was using was cold water or cooler water and the air so I was doing that with my face and like the amount of drainage that you get in your sinuses and clearing, like people would even see it. Like when you're doing the video from the first to the third time sequence, you can see my face just totally change. So this is just a progression. And then finally, three years later, I finally worked my way up to actually dunking my whole body. Um, so we have a cottage on a river and the, the river was frozen and I actually put, I basically went up to my chest. I didn't go all the way under cause it is a river. So I want to be safe. So, um, I went, I dunked my body for the first time. Uh, and a lot of people are like, Oh my God, how do you do that? And I'm like, this took me three years. Like it took me three years to build up to here. So just as, as a listener, just understand that we don't necessarily, it's not just like jump all in. And also keep in mind, um, your stress level and like so understanding like from a polyvagal perspective if you're somebody that's coming in and you're stuck in sympathetic and you're stuck in this stressed overwhelmed you know your body is is in hypervigilance doing this type of therapy will help you slowly come out of that because it's going to teach you how to sh shift in and out of a sympathetic stress state because like the cold stresses you out and then the cold uh, sorry, the warm calms you down. So what we want to do is that from a trauma-informed perspective, using hydrotherapy is a fantastic way to start building up stress resilience in your body. But again, 
if you're somebody that like you might be somebody that I can just jump in jump into cold water that's probably because you're you're used to this hot you're hyper vigilant you're used to this high threshold of pain and you're just like go 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 and your body can meet that but that's not necessarily it might feel good but that's not necessarily meeting you where you need to be so we want to be able to build that that go up and down and, and build that resilience of being able to feel calm and so this is where eventually you get to this um, place of using um uh like a ice bath and then the steam bath so um because that's really huge like i have a client i have a couple clients from um, finland and so they use they have like the the barrel saunas in their backyard and they use it because it's part of their culture and whatnot it's a huge part of the scandinavian culture so can you explain just using the benefits of using steam um, on a therapeutic perspective? Why would somebody just want to use like a, a barrel sauna? Uh, steam obviously is, is, a, is a form. Uh, we talked about nebulizing previously and you look at how we can, you know, vaporize uh, water droplets. And because steam has the ability of getting deep inside and rapidly getting absorbed uh, into mucous membranes. It can be absorbed uh, into your sinuses. It can be absorbed, you know, in, in the nose, in your throat, and obviously it can get into your lungs even. Um, and so pretty rapidly, what you can do is you can moisturize uh, these particular areas. And I think that, and of course that we're warming the core te body temperature uh, by being able to do that. Uh, because the water droplets are a little bit warmer than, you know, room temperature and that type of thing. And we're not necessarily drinking uh, well, you can drink hot tea uh, per se, but you could probably scald yourself uh, also, which you would need to be careful with steam because steam can be, you know, literally too hot also. Right. But what we're trying to do is literally moisturize the inside warm up the inside and any time anything that does to warm up uh, causes this ability to vasodilate when you vasodilate arteries when you vasodilate lymphatics what you do is you improve uh, the amount of oxygen that gets throughout the body you improve oxygen into your brain and so it, as a result of that is a pretty significant uh, healing a positive healing impact and which is why it becomes part of that but uh, just to reiterate what you just said, Julie, about uh, think of uh, hot and cold. Think of hydrotherapy uh, as as being in training. Uh, mm -hmm. If you were planning to, you know, be a, be on a sports team, if you were planning to uh, run a race, you just didn't wake up one day and say, "Oh, I think I'll run this half marathon uh, today." Uh, you know, it takes months and months of training and months and months of practice. And so we're going to reemphasize that. Uh, the use of hot and cold, which is incredibly therapeutic, easily done every day is something you build up to. And once you build it up, it's so easy to maintain because you can just uh, keep doing it. And, you know, to reiterate what Julie just said about face dunking, uh, some people will, will do the same idea, but instead of dunking your face, uh, just use a hand towel. You use right. one hand towel that's basically, you know, in a bowl of ice water and another one that's uh, basically in a, in a bowl of hot water. And so you apply an entire uh, hand towel, you know, over from your above your eyebrows down to your chin. 
uh, you know, three minutes on, take it off, but they put the colder one on for 30 seconds. And it's a great way uh, to, uh, to get more circulation and get the, the sinuses uh, involved, the ears get involved, you can open new station tubes, et cetera, et cetera. So you just reminded me of another one that uh, I discovered through my whole process of baby stepping my way to full body um, plunging. Uh, it was nipping. I think that's the. I think that's how you say it. It's where you actually walk barefoot in cold water. Is that what it's called? Nipping. So, <clears throat> is that right? Uh, that that's one of the terms. Yeah. Okay. So if for if you've never heard this term, it's basically a you take uh, you basically are stepping in cold water that is just below the knee. And what you do is you actually step up and then you're going to point your toe down like you're going to like dive. There's an actual technique to it. And um, you do that for whatever you can tolerate because it is cold, depending on like if you're starting with cooler water um, or just you know, whatever, lukewarm water, whatever you want to start with, but just exposing your uh, lower body um, to the water. And then what you do is you come out and you don't actually dry off. You actually just um, put on warm socks or like wool socks and you let your body actually warm itself up on its own. So that's something that's important to understand that if you're doing any of these therapies is that you're not actually um, wiping off the condensation on you you want your body to be able to help you warm back up and that's really the process of um that you're going through when you're doing this hydrotherapy so just something to to keep in mind so that being said there's a different type of sauna called an infrared sauna so what would be the difference between using a steam sauna versus an infrared sauna the benefit of infrared, which is part of the electromagnetic spectrum, is, is that you get a deeper penetration. Uh, you get deeper penetration of heat uh, beyond just sort of the, we'll say, the outer surface layer, whether we're applying, you know, a hot application on the skin or something. You get, obviously, some, the heat is is not just limited to the skin. There's a, there's this light. But infrared uh, literally uh, can go deeper within the tissue uh, and as a result of that, you get a, we'll say a deeper heating action and the, the therapeutic effects that we're talking about, uh, will be heightened, uh, by being able to do that. But once again, like everything, uh, you can't overdo it. You don't want to be in there too long. You don't want to overheat your, your body. Uh, you need to be mindful of that. You're going to be sweating. You need to be drinking fluid. You need to be drinking water while, uh, physically doing that because you could easily become so lightheaded uh, from doing it that it could actually become a dangerous uh, activity. So, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, oh, this sounds like they read about it or hear about it, listen, listen, listen to us talking about it. Oh, this is great. I'll just think I'll just start it. Uh, no, you build up to it. None of, none of these therapies are meant to jump into them uh, from the get-go. Uh, as if you have just read Winhoff and hear the benefits yes. of uh, doing ice baths, et cetera. So right. build up to it. There is therapeutic benefits uh, of doing all these things. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that's, it's just take your time, be patient. And, you know, like, like I said, it's depending on, uh, I I'm coming at it from a trauma informed <laughs> perspective. So I'm looking at, you know, what state of stress are you in and what are you looking to do? So in terms of like, I'll circle back in terms of why, um, like, so if I struggle with digestive issues or if I struggle with migraines or if I struggle with um, joint pain, would hydrotherapy be uh, a modality that I should be interested in looking at, would you say? 
there isn't any condition that uh, somebody you know could mention to us that we that some form of hydrotherapy would not be applicable. Uh, they're not all applicable to every condition, but be, whether you use it as ice initially for inflammation or whether you use it for liquid uh, as, a, as a bath, hot and cold, whether you use it as steam uh, and all these types of things. And, you know, there are specifics uh, that we can, uh, you know, that you can utilize and, you know, common one that we've just all gone through with COVID or any type of an upper respiratory infection or any type of congestion, I'm gonna say above the waist. And so whether you have something in your lung, uh, whether you have something in your nose or your ears or your throat, uh, I have sell, told uh, you know 50,000 people that warming socks is the, what they should yeah. be doing to go to bed. There it's, it is. It's a variation of what you just said about uh, getting your feet cold. Mm -hmm. Now, what's different about warming socks is uh, first of all, you need two pairs of socks. You need a, a small like anklet sock, uh, and then you need a heavier, uh, either a wool sock or a heavier sock. But the key to, to the success of warming socks is that you feet, your feet have to be warm uh, before when you start this procedure. So you may use a warm foot bath or uh, just a heating compress of some type to, to warm your feet up. Uh, then what you do is you wring uh, your smaller anklet type sock in, in ice cold water. Uh, you wring it out and you put it on your feet. You immediately then cover it uh, with a, a dry wool sock or just a heavier sock. And then you immediately go to bed and people say, well, what's, why am I doing that? Um, now, first of all, the, the, the cold should not be feel cold longer than maybe 45 or 60 seconds. Uh, if your feet are still cold one or two minutes later, it means you haven't warmed your feet up enough. Uh, and the, and the contrast is, is too much and you actually can, get a negative impact. Mm -hmm. So, well, why are we doing this for this congestion that's either in your head or your chest? And so what, how, what the body says is that, oh, and so the cold, as you know, as we've talked about, causes constriction. So you vasoconstrict uh, the vessels, but then what happens is the body realizes that, well, that's not going away. So you actually vasodilate. <laughs> And the aspect of vasodilating will improve your lymph and will improve your circulation. And so by the morning time, your, the socks will be totally dry. And not only that, but the, the movement of the lymph and the circulation helps to decongest the head, the sinus, the ears, and the chest. And so it's the number one treatment for any type of cold, flu, uh, chest congestion, bronchitis, uh, any sore throat, anything like that. Uh, and, you know, we can do them on the chest, uh, we can do hot and cold on the chest, we can do hot and cold on your throat, we can do hot and cold on your sinus, mm -hmm. always the same idea, three minutes hot, 30 seconds cold, 10 minutes and 30 seconds for the whole treatment. Uh, it's an incredibly positive uh, therapeutic effect uh, of what it is that we're attempting to do. Absolutely. I forgot about warming socks, but it's true, like all through the pandemic, we were using it and my kids know it now. It's like, they ask their friends, like, don't you know, don't you do warming socks? people are like what so the one addition thing that uh, additional thing that i do to warming socks is i will add um essential oils to the bottom of my feet to help me ground and just to help the the system um if you do have congestion some people will put like um uh tiger balm or something like that like a kind of an icy hot just to, to help stimulate and just get the the 
the congestion to move it through. Like, so if you're in a reflexology, there's a whole, that's a whole different ball game, but there's a lot, a lot of benefits to doing warming socks. Some warming socks is something that I actually recommend to my clients who um, struggle with any kind of um, swelling in their ankles. So, uh, or like, so it's based, or the other test I do is if you place your hand behind your knee, one finger, one hand width right from the, the bend of the knee and you pinch your fingers on either side of that hand and it's tender, you're doing warming socks and you're going to be doing warming socks until that, that tension or that, um, tenderness has gone away because that's a sign that your lymphatic system is a bit, um, inflamed. So it's just a, such a simple thing, um, that you can start with. So definitely like if you're going to put the, uh, baby steps into play, warming socks would be another place to go. Um, are there any other, can you think of any other modalities, uh, in terms of using, um, water or hydrotherapy to help people heal. So actually one question I have is going back, is there anybody that shouldn't do it? Any contraindications? Like if I've had ever had, like if I've ever had a stroke or a heart attack or, um, diabetics, anything like that, anybody yes, shouldn't. Absolutely. There's absolute contraindications for anybody who has any type of uh, peripheral neuropathy, which is common or can be common in diabetics any type of a neurological situation where you have decreased sensation, uh, you're not able to have the sense of either hot or cold. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, diabetics, if they have poor circulation into their feet, uh, you know, it would be easy to, to make the water too hot or the water too cold because they wouldn't be able to sense that. So absolutely, there the one has to be mindful of that uh, based on uh, you know their their sensation, <clears throat> uh, and so there are some other sort of neurological aspects as far as a stroke is concerned. Uh, yes, if you have numbness and you know that type of thing and don't feel something, uh, yeah, this this is not something that you need to just jump into because you can certainly burn the skin or if it's cold, freeze the skin, uh, which is, which is a very significant, uh, contraindication. So yes, you have to be mindful of that, uh, as always, uh, you know, and, and with common sense is probably the number one thing. Okay. And what about Raynaud's? Raynaud's. Raynaud's is uh, poor circulation in general and, you know, a typical um, 50 degrees, which is uh, 10 degrees uh, Celsius. For most people, uh, anything below that particular temperature causes more vasoconstriction and the, the fingers or the toes can turn uh, white. Uh, and bluish and purple. So they have to be very, very careful uh, of that type of thing because the intent, the attempt is not to uh, damage the, the tissue. The attempt to support the tissue, but uh, knowing that there's these types of um, uh, issues that can be in a contraindication or uh, you, you modify the technique. So it's not colder than 50 degrees uh, or 10 degrees Celsius for whatever uh, you're using it for. <clears throat> so would there be a particular, so if I had any of those conditions, um, would using steam or infrared be more ideal or is it just something you should talk to your um, healthcare practitioner about first? They have to specifically deal with their healthcare practitioner, but the, the, even in these patients, they will benefit, I'll call, we'll call it a modified hydrotherapy technique. Uh, because as we said before, everybody will benefit the use of water 
which is absolutely essential to life is is also an essential an essential component for therapy so just with modifications uh, it can be it should be utilized okay um, so coming back to you, you mentioned spas. So well, that's something I just wanted to mention because we actually just had a spa, another spa open up here where they have the the pools and they have some uh, steam baths and they have the hot tubs and whatnot. So just to reiterate, so if I'm going to one of these fancy spas, um, I want to do three cycles of each of those, correct? That's the ideal, correct. That's the idea. And how much time am I spending in each of those segments? Is it the the 30 seconds on, three minutes hot? Or sorry, three minutes hot, 30 seconds cold, and then just keep going for 10 and a half minutes? That's, I mean, that's the easiest uh, rule of thumb, uh, we'll say. Uh, you know, especially if you're, if you're new to it, uh, if you've been doing this for a while and your system has become accustomed to it, obviously you can increase the time. But cold should always be less than the hot. Hot is, we'll say, you know, three times longer, uh, or at least three times longer than the cold in general. So if you okay. if you want to go to four minutes of hot, uh, you increase the cold to uh, maybe forty five seconds, uh, that type of thing. But don't start there. Just start, you know, low till you can build it up uh, in time. And it's, you know, it's you know, people will go and they'll do it like just a sauna. Uh, no, don't just do a sauna. You want to do hot, cold. You want it. So even if yeah. you then do a sauna and at least end in a cold uh, type thing, because we want the body to get this internal uh, physiologic response, because that's really what we're trying to create is uh, improved physiology. Uh, improved aspect of uh, improving your circulation, improving your lymphatics, which has so much to do with health in general. Absolutely. So boost your immune system by using totally. hydrotherapy. I do <laughs> have I one. Mean. I do have one other that people are often. So they, you have a broken arm, let's say broken wrist, per se, you have a cast on. So you can't put hot or cold on there because you have a cast yes. on there and you can't dunk it underwater. However, we do know you can do it on the other arm or you can do it on the other leg. Mm -hmm. If you have a knee injury and you can't, you know, you have a brace of some type and you can't directly apply hot or cold. When you do it on the opposite limb, you still get the same benefit. So you do the same treatment on the limb that isn't injured, um, you know, or whether it's at, you know, you break your ankle or whatever, how am I going to do hydrotherapy? You do it on a good ankle uh, and you will still get the, we know that there's a re reflexive response. So you still get the benefit, uh, even if you can't apply the hot and cold directly to the area where the injury is. Right. That's a good point. It's true. Like, cause everything's connected. So your body's going to have to work hard regardless or work its way to, to heating up that part of the body and whatnot. So, you know, like whatever excuse that you have, and you're like, okay, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But the idea is that there's many, many benefits as you have said in terms of using water. So if you're that person, you're like, you really struggled to get it inside of you. Well, put it on top of you, you know, like warming socks or put your hands in some water or, you know, um, go into a steam bath, whatever you have access to at the end of the day, that's really, um, you know, the, the, the important part, but you know, like if you have access to these different modalities, definitely consider using them. And if you have some contraindications, make sure you just 
get some uh, uh, chat with your healthcare practitioner. Is there anything else that you want to add that you've thought of? It is probably uh, cost benefit uh, is pro this is probably the most cost effective therapy you would ever be able to do. Water is accessible everywhere. If you have water, a fridge and a face cloth or a hand towel, you can do hydrotherapy uh, anywhere and everywhere for absolute no investment with, with the potential benefit of tremendous uh, therapeutic response uh, to help any type of a, from an acute to a chronic uh, type of a problem. So highly recommended that it's on some level, every single day you are doing some form of hydrotherapy, whether it's taking the shower or hot or cold, or, uh, you know, taking us going once in a while to a, to a sauna or a, a spa. spa, you have the ability to utilize this thing in your own home. Uh, on a regular basis. And uh, let's not overlook the, the tremendous therapeutic benefit that it has. And can I just add for us uh, people that are north, uh, walking on snow has lots of benefits. So that's something that like people thought I was crazy. I've been doing it again, like on social media, people have been seeing me, seeing me walking barefoot uh, for about three years now, but it's accessible when you have access to it. You don't. <laughs> Not in Arizona. You're gonna to, well. You're gonna have to drive up to Flagstaff. You could have, you know, like yeah, you can yeah. in the winter. You can go up to Flagstaff if you want to. But for those of us that it is, like you said, it is accessible, um, and you know, it just it's something that if it's not something in your toolbox right now, is something definitely to consider for sure. So thank you so much for all the information. So next time we're gonna be talking about supplementation. This is a big one. So we want to um, touch upon. Um, all the different types that there's so many different supplementations and you know like you can talk about detoxes and all that kind of stuff but what are some basic supplements that you need to take to support your health in general because as we all know um unfortunately our food and our soil doesn't have the nutrients um that it did 50 years ago so we're we need to supplement our bodies with certain things so we're going to be talking about in the next podcast so that sound good to you that's gonna work great awesome so any, any final thoughts on hydrotherapy other than try it, try it, but take that's, your time. That's the whole thing. Just Ease do it. Ease into it. Ease Just into it. it. Easy. So like nebulizing is passive. This one takes a little bit more work because uh, you got to do th the thing. <laughs> you got to do the thing. Um, got to get the buckets and get the water and get the cloth or get the socks, you know, and do your, do it. But um definitely some some benefits here for sure all right thank you so much for listening and if you have any questions please um put some comment uh put it in the comments you're always welcome to email us our emails are in the comments uh, if you want to contact us all of our um linkedin and our website and stuff is in um the um what do you call that the space below where it tells you the details of this podcast <laughs> whatever that's called i don't know <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, Dad. Appreciate the chat, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Till next time. We want to remind you that knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power, where knowledge turns to experience. We encourage you to implement the information shared, allowing you to shift your energy from head to heart. If this is your first time listening, we would love for you to subscribe uh, to connect 
connect and grow with us in the coming weeks. If you'd like we, what you've been hearing today, we encourage you to go wherever you're listening to leave a review. Tell us what you loved about the episode. Tell us which one was your favorite and share topics you would like us to talk about. And if you're interested in learning more about biological medicine, uh, go to my website, drdixontom.com. And if you'd like to learn more about how to shift your nervous system and heal using movement, I encourage you to visit fitimize.ca to learn more. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. 